I've got a card here from Stephen and Becky Allen with a little uh, note. Most everybody here knows that uh, they have experienced a fire. Uh, dear church family, we just wanted to take a moment to say thank you. Thank you for the Walmart and the Kohl's gift cards. Thank you for the numerous calls and cards. And most importantly, thank you for your prayers. We have been blessed and encouraged during this trying time by being part of a very loving and faithful church family. Your prayer has brought both peace and comfort during a challenging time in our life. God has shown us many miracles through all of this and given us proof that he is with us always, even through the flames of life. May God richly bless you as you continue to serve him in Christian love, Stephen and Becky Allen. And I talked with, I talked with Stephen just a few minutes ago, and as he was leaving the room, he said, well, Becky put it this way, and I said, well, I've got to write that down. Um, this, is what, this is what Christian faith is all about. If you think Christian faith is all about that I'll, I'll come to Jesus and after that everything will be peaches and cream and I'll never have another care or trouble or worry all the days of my life and then uh, Selah and then I go to heaven. Somebody sold you a bill of goods. Jesus himself, the master carpenter, gave a building seminar and said there are two types there are two houses, and they're built on two different types of foundation. One is built upon sand that shifts with the time and will not uphold. The other is built upon a rock. Thank God when men and women are built upon the sure rock, Jesus Christ. This is what Stephen said that Becky had made a comment to somebody about. Uh, I think it's maybe somebody in her family. She said, we had a fire in our house, but our home is still intact. Mm, that's good. Thank God. That's good. That's good. That's what Christian faith is all about. Praise God. Uh, go in your Bibles to the book of 1 John, chapter number 2. Verse number 25 is where we will start. And from there, I want you to go to Revelation 16, 16. We, um, the men had their uh, doings yesterday, and that was a good turnout. It was like between 75 and 85 men showed up for that. That was really, 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 really good. Um, I don't know why I, I seen I seen Don uh, Friday night and didn't even think to mention that uh, to him, but that we was doing that. So I apologize, brother, that uh, I didn't mention that to you. You may not even know about it. Verse um, John, chapter number two, starting with verse twenty-five. Are you there? And this is the promise that God has promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. 
But as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and His truth and is not a lie, and even as He has taught you, you shall abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. And if you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone that does righteousness is born of Him. Revelation 16, 16, this is the only time and place in the whole Bible where this word is mentioned. And he gathered them together, he meaning God. He gathered them together into a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Lord, I am praying and believing, God, that your anointing will continue to rest upon this service. And Lord, help me, dear God, not to do any violence to your word. Help me, Lord God, to be able to speak your word truthfully. Help me, Lord God, to speak your word as under your Holy Spirit's power and unction. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a letter here, and I want to read the response to the letter before I read the letter itself. The response to the letter is Steve Upchurch writing to Kevin McLean. What an amazing testimony. I feel in my spirit that the words that you shared with Gary were of great comfort in his last hours. The Holy Spirit, the Comforter, worked through you to minister to Gary. How privileged you are to have been chosen to minister to a saint that was getting ready for his final journey. Someday you will get to sit down with Gary in heaven and look back at this time and fully understand all the whys. I'm proud to be your pastor. Keep allowing the Holy Spirit to minister through you. That's Steve Upchurch responding back to Kevin McLean. They attend the Centralia branch. Now, this is Kevin's letter. I have been weighing writing to you and Mark for quite some time as I didn't know how to put all of this into words. You see, some time ago, I went to the main branch to watch my niece Amber be baptized. I accompanied my mother, aunt, and sister to this very special occasion. When we got there, we were deciding on where to sit. In the past, we have always seated ourselves on the west side of the room, but for some reason, I decided that we would sit on the opposite side of the room. I later would learn why. At the end of the baptism, Pastor Mark called for an altar call, and I noticed a man seated in the row ahead of me that appeared to be wanting to go. I also noticed several people with him went with him to the altar. Pastor Mark mentioned something about that he was going to be having a sort, a sort of surgery that week and wanted everyone to keep him in their prayers, him meaning Gary. At that moment, the Holy Spirit spoke to me in, in a way that I knew that I needed to witness to him concerning my own miracle. It was almost like fire shot through me, and as soon as Gary came back to his seat with his family. I tapped his wife, Barb, on the shoulder and spoke into her ear that I wanted to speak to him and to witness to him the miracle that Jesus had done for me. I could tell that this was a very emotional time for the man as I could see tears in his eyes. After service was dismissed, I noticed several people coming around him and offering support and prayers. The man proceeded to make his way back to me. I greeted him and introduced myself. He said his name was Gary Bright. Gary proceeded to sit down in the seat, and I began to witness to him the miracle that Jesus had performed 
on my ear and had gotten rid of the mass that I didn't at that time even know was there. I shared with Gary, and unbeknownst to me, the area where he was having surgery was in the same area as where I had mine. I never asked Gary where he was, what he was having surgery for as I felt if he wanted me to know, he would tell me. He did indicate it was discovered when his blood pressure spiked, and that's when they had discovered it. He, I proceeded to share with Gary how it was ordained for me to be on there on that day. And by Now, I want you to get that. Uh, it's not like that Kevin McLean's over here all the time, maybe once a year. And like he said in the letter, he always sat on that side of the room. But that day, he sat on this side of the room, directly behind Gary and Barb. I could tell Gary was scared, and during our conversation, other members of the church would come by, and he would thank them for the offer of prayers, but then he would focus right back on what I was sharing with him. I told Gary how I felt when I went for surgery and that it was going to be a win-win, meaning either way, either I would be healed or I would wake up at the feet of Jesus. Either way, it was a win-win, and he agreed with me. I shared with Gary about what he was going through right now with the test and that when he came out, it would have a testimony to give, and he would share it with everybody at the church. Gary was such a humble man that he stated that he didn't think he could do that because he would not want to interfere with Pastor Mark's sermon. What a guy. Gary shared with me how much the church had meant to him and how it had changed him, and he was so grateful for the church. I continued to witness to him, and he asked if, I could, if he could stay in touch with me, and I proceeded to give him one of my business cards. As I was leaving, Pastor Mark stopped me and made a comment, now we know why you were out here this, this day. A day later, Gary had called my cell phone and left a message, which I have saved at the time, and I did not know why. I proceeded to call Gary back and witness to him everything that had happened to me before my surgery and after. I shared and witnessed to him how Shirley Jones had prayed for me the night before and called out a fungus that I didn't even know was there. Although I felt a warmth come over as she prayed for me over the phone, I shared with Pastor Steve uh, praying for me before the surgery. I shared with Gary as I was over, as I was recovering the next three months. All I focused on was getting closer to Jesus and how I had three different encounters where I could smell the heavenly aromas of heaven and how wonderful they were. I normally would not share these other parts with most people. It is too hard for someone to comprehend at one time, but I felt led to witness fully to Gary. During our conversation, Gary never talked about the type of surgery he was going to have. All he wanted to hear about is what happened to me and the healing power of Jesus. Gary asked me, if after he got back, if, I, if, if him and, and I could become friends and maybe have lunch, which I said, of course. As Gary was getting ready to hang up, as he thought he was taking up the time, I stopped him. And I'll, I'll say this. If they would have had this lunch, I can guarantee you who would have bought. Gary Bright would have bought. I had been in numerous restaurants over at Flora, and if Gary Bright was ever in that building... I never had to pay. I'd go to pay, and they'd say, oh, no, it's already been taken care of. Well, who paid for it? No, I ain't supposed to tell you who paid for it. Me and George being uh, floored from time to time, and George is like, let's just drive around all the restaurants, see if we can see Gary's car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, boy. 
As, as Gary was getting ready to hang, hang up, he thought he, as Gary was getting ready to hang up, as he thought he was taking up my time, I stopped him and asked if I could pray for him, which he said that he would like. I proceeded to pray for Gary. I did not realize then that that would be the last time I would ever talk to my newfound friend and brother in Christ. Reflecting on this still makes me cry, but I felt it was important to share. Gary Bright, although I'd only met him one time, I felt as if I'd known him my whole life. That's a great statement. Gary Bright, even though he was staring death in the eye, only wanted to hear about the saving and healing power of Jesus. I now look back. It was not his test and testimony to be shared, but it was mine. I pray that I did what a Christian should do and share the good news. So uh, I just want to publicly... Thank Kevin McLean for being for being faithful uh, to a saint that needed help during during that difficult time. Um, the next, if we could have a calendar, and on this calendar we could see what was coming up next, the next monumental event on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. And you, yeah, that is going to be big. That's going to be big, and that's an understatement. I already said last week, there's one foolproof, fail-safe system that God has for everybody to know my son has returned. For him to come in the clouds, and everyone that trusts in him and believe in him Said the Bible says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. I don't mean the Baptist. No. No. <laughs> the dead in Christ shall rise first. After that, we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him, and so shall we forever be with the Lord. And the Bible says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. I hate to say it. But to some of you, it's not a comfort. It's a fear and a dread. The idea that Jesus would come again. For those that's not ready, for those that dilly-dally around, for those that play church, that is not something that you look at with anticipation. You want to put that off. And yet we know the Bible response, John gives it to us in the book of Revelations, even so, Lord Jesus, come back quickly. And if you had the idea, no, I don't want the Lord to come back now, I want to see my kids grow up. I'll grant you what will happen. In a few years, you will have the idea, I don't want to see the Lord come back, I want to see my grandkids grow up. And after that, you'll be saying, I want to see my great-grandkids grow up. It's kind of like the kid, the seminary student that's in school and studied and studied and studied and studied and had to study for all these exams. And every day he would pray, even so, Lord Jesus, come back quickly. And then he proposed to a guy to get married, and then the wedding date showed up. And then the night before the wedding, he was praying, wait a little longer, please, Jesus. 
And a few weeks after that, he was saying, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In 1998, I was privileged to take my first trip to Israel. And the first two nights, we stayed in Tel Aviv. And what was interesting was the breakfast time there in Tel Aviv. They had a guy that was there from Boston College, a professor who had been in Israel for an off and on for 10 years, and he was making a dig in northern Israel. And during our breakfast time, which was olives and uh, uh, eggs, uh, no milk, some juice, uh, by the end of 10 days, I'm telling you, I'd have killed somebody for a piece of bacon. <laughs> but there was no bacon to be found anywhere. And in this time we was and it was it was great to have this guy with this kind of knowledge and and we're sitting there we're eating breakfast and he's got a, a presentation there that he's showing and he's got a slide presentation and different things that he said he makes this comment that I've never heard anybody say before he says Israel is a land bridge that you can get to three continents on and then he said there ain't another piece of real estate on the planet like it. And he said, of course, there's a spiritual connection here why all of these different empires wanted Israel. But he said, this geographical connection cannot be underplayed. You cannot uh, 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 act like that that's not important because if they owned that piece of ground, they could maneuver troops anywhere they wanted to get the fastest way that they could maneuver them. Important piece of real estate. It's the size of Joyzy. Think of that. And it's in the news all the time. I had a grade school coach, and back in the day I had a wonderful jump shot. And I could really soar, but now you couldn't slide a piece of paper under me when I'd shoot. <laughs> and our grade school coach, Kent Sanders, he said, boys, I don't want you to guard their head, and I don't want you to guard their feet. I want you to guard their belly. Because they ain't going nowhere without their belly. They can, they can head fake you, and they can move with their feet and all of it, but he goes, they ain't going nowhere without their belly. Let me tell you, when it comes to this world, the belly of all this world is Israel. The belly button is Jerusalem. You know the word, the Mediterranean Sea, the word Mediterranean literally means, anyone want to guess? Middle earth right in the middle and God is saying keep a close watch on Israel in verse of this chapter 2 in verse 22 the Bible speaks of the Antichrist in verse 28 the Bible speaks of the Lord Jesus returning 
And in right in the middle of that is verse 25, where God promises us eternal life. It hurts my heart to know that a preacher, whether it's here or in multiplicities of thousands of churches across America and across the world, can preach on the promise of God, and people yawn through that. Preach on the promise that God will tell you and tell you assuredly you can trust in me and upon that trust in me, you can go to heaven. It is a promise not from the president, not from a senator, not from a congressman, but from God himself. You can take that to the bank. Promises are like crying babies in the sanctuary. They're to be carried out immediately. <laughs> Grab a hold of it and hang on to it and carry that out in your life right now. Don't act like, but I'll do it tomorrow. I'll put it off. I'll put it out of my mind. Act on it now. I said last week, it's, it, it's incredible to me that God says in the last days, here are going to be the four kingdoms that's going to encompass the world and will be players in this. And it's incredible how he does this. So godlike when he says there will be a king of the north, a king of the south, a king of the west, and a king of the east. I want you to go in your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 38. Ezekiel 38, verse number 3. And the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel to say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, Gog, G-O-G, -G, Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. God is talking about a nation that hadn't even been in existence as of yet when Ezekiel wrote this. The nation is Russia. And of course, God knew that Russia would be an atheistic nation. Now think of that. There have been a lot of nations down through time that have been against God. There have been a lot of nations that serve other gods. But God's saying there's going to come a nation down the pike that will, as a nation, say, there is no God. And to me, just logically, if their thinking is there is no God, to them, the state would be God. And to sign any kind of agreement with a people that have no belief system outside of their own nation, why would anyone sign an agreement with them people? The moment it goes against their state or Russia, they will break that agreement, which they have done time and time and time and time and time and time again. And God will judge this nation, Russia, and guess where he's going to do it? He's going to take them to the woodshed. He's going to do it in the nation of Israel. God said, I'll put a hook in their jaw. God's going to drag them to the nation of Israel. 
And you know, there's going to be three main reasons. I already mentioned one. Of course, it is a spiritual thing, and we'll probably get into that a little bit maybe next week. But why would Russia try to overtake Israel? Now, I don't want to make fun of anybody here. And I know that there are some people more prone to watch news than others. But there's some people you ain't got a clue unless you're doing this number. And that's, that's kind of stupid. Know what's going on in the world other than what the Kardashians are doing. Gosh, those people are nuts. Why will Russia try to overtake Israel? Russia needs a warm water entrance into the nations of the world, the seas of the world, so they can get to other, other areas easily. Why would that be? Oil. Russia has lost their superpower status, and they would like to get that back. And if you ain't been listening to the news, let me tell you what's been happening lately. Russia and China have teamed up together to tell America, you shut up about Iran. Now, see, people, this is not something that I'm just, I'm just pulling out of the ether somewhere. These are things that you can look up online or you can watch on TV. These things are happening as we speak. Number two, Israel doesn't have oil, but they do have something else. Goldie Meir, who was the first prime minister of Israel, said, how good a leader could Moses have been when he led us to the only place in the Middle East that doesn't have oil? Now, that's a woman speaking. Also, that same woman said, it took him 40 years. He said, if a woman had been at the helm, we would have stopped and asked for directions. And we would have got to the promised land a lot sooner. Russia has some, or Israel has something that Russia in time will want. It's called the Dead Sea. Let me give you a rundown real quick. The mineral deposits of the Dead Sea are astronomical in value. And there are refineries right there, right now, owned by Israel. And Russia would like to have those. There are 2 billion tons of potash in the Dead Sea. There are 12 billion tons of sodium. There are 22 billion tons of magnesium chloride. And the value of all of that is off the scale and off the chart. In Ezekiel 38, verse 5 and 6, the Bible talks about Persia, Ethiopia, Libya with them, all of them with shield and helmet, Gomer and his bands, the house of Togomar, of the north quarters. This is Persia, the Arab states teaming up with the north king, king of the north, teaming up with the king of the south, Arab states, 
Egypt, and all of the like. And I've already told you that Russia and China, even right now, are telling America, you just keep your hands off of Iran. If Israel would do a preemptive strike against those eight nuclear sites, I have got to think that all of what the Bible speaks, there in 37 and 38 of Ezekiel and in Revelations, I would got to think all of that would start clicking into place. Now, let me take my time here. It is not right, and who do we think we are as Americans to tell Israel, oh, yeah, if you're bombed, don't react. People, just, you know, let's get it close to home here. If Mexico would launch a bomb into America and another nation said, no, no don't react. Come on. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We would react. It's not right of us to tell Israel to give back certain parts of land. It's not right. It's not right of us. It's not right of us to tell Israel, you need to go back to uh, 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 divisions and, and boundary lines that was made up uh, d- uh, before 1967. That's not right of us to tell anybody that. I mean, we're the people that bought Manhattan for a few beads, right? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. <clears throat> the president of Iran, and if anybody looks like a weasel, that guy does. He does. He's just like a weasel. You put him on that, uh, you put him on that, uh, oh, what kind of cartoon am I trying to think of? Boy, it's boy back in the day. No, Vincent Van Gopher. He kind of looked like Vincent Van Gopher. And all the young people's going, who? Who's that? Agamemnon has said, we will drive Israel into the sea. We will not rest until Israel has been terminated. That is a president of a country saying that. And if you think that Israel can stand idly by and not do anything, and it's a 1,000 miles from Israel to fly a plane from Israel to Iran and bomb those nuclear sites. Those men manning those uh, planes will not make it back. It will take all their fuel to go one way. But I am sure, for the sake of Israel, there will be men in the Mossad and in the government of Israel willing to make that sacrifice. The king of the north is, anybody help me out here, I want to see that you're learning. The king of the north is Russia. The king of the south is the Arab states. Russia will guarantee all of the Muslims, if you will team up with us, We will overthrow Israel, and you can have Jerusalem. That will whet their appetite. I've stood on the Temple Mount there with the Golden Dome, and I have seen as there are Arab men sitting in the shade 
And I asked the tour guide, why are they there? And he said, they're waiting for a call from the Saudi government to create a riot. And then the guide says, you know, the Saudis, America's friend. And it's like, what do you say? What do you say? That's what they get paid for. They're just sitting up there waiting for a call to incite riot and violence in Jerusalem. Preacher, where does America fit in all of this scenario? We'll look at that next week. In 2 Thessalonians, and we have, looked, we have mentioned this on every one of these sermons that we have looked at concerning prophecy, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, because they received not the love of the truth, this book, they received not the love of the truth. What would that do for them? The Bible tells us that you would be saved. Because they received not this book, the love of the truth, that they could be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they would believe a lie and be damned. Preacher, I'll get saved during the tribulation period. No, you will not. You absolutely will not. If you refuse this here and now, you will not be saved then. Wow. That's what the book says there. God has done everything he can possibly do for mankind to be saved. And for you to thumb your nose at that now and act like that you ain't got time or you're too good or you're too busy making money or you're too busy or whatever it is in your life, I'll see at that another time. I'll get saved in the tribulation period. Come on, if you won't live for Jesus now, you ain't going to live for him then when it's tough to live for him then. You ain't going to live for him now. You ain't going to be willing to put your head on a chopping block and have your head cut off then. You won't do it. You won't do it. You will be deceived to believe a lie and be damned. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Romans chapter 10. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yeah, but preacher, I'm just not feeling any goosebumps right now. Whosoever shall feel goosebumps shall be saved. <laughs> no, no. They didn't sing the right song for me to, whosoever shall sing your favorite song and then you shall be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, preacher, that's easy believism. It wasn't easy for Jesus. Somebody had to pay. Wasn't easy for Jesus. Wasn't easy for Jesus. 
Today is Communion Sunday. As believers, I want you to take introspection in your life. And if you're here this morning and you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, you can be born again today. And then you can take communion. Just like that. Just like that. Bow your heads, please. Father, we are thankful, very thankful, dear God, for your word. Very thankful, dear God, for your great grace. Very thankful, dear God, that you are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Father, we pray, Lord, for every Christian that's here, God, that they today would take that time, that introspection of their life. And Lord God, we pray for every person that as yet have never said yes to Jesus. We're believing that today is going to be their day of days, that they are going to melt in your presence and realize, God, the answer is certainly not my hard heart, but it's your grace. God, let them realize that and see that today. In Jesus' name, amen. My only hope The reason I can stand Comes from the blood that flows from nail-pierced hands And I will not fear For you will never change Now at the cross Cross that bears your day.
our prayer that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677.